and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. Delighted to have you with me. I hope you're having a great day and you got blue skies. I do not, unfortunately, today. I'm hoping to get out on the golf course. Y'all, I played golf yesterday. Was interrupted on the golf course by a VIP phone call about which I promised I wouldn't tell y'all about. I had the worst. I mean, I'm a bad golfer to begin with. My buddy Jeff, who I played with, who may be listening right now, I don't know. Jeff says he's a bad golfer, and he didn't have a great day. Basically, we knew if we couldn't find our his ball to look in his hand trap, and it would be there. But my gosh, I always feel bad going with guys like that who actually are good, even though they say they're not. And then there's me, and I'm really bad. Good gracious, am I bad? But I am going to take lessons, and I will get better. Now, I wasn't going to talk about this. What even going to go there? I'll get to Disney here in just a minute, but I got to say something. It is Wednesday for those. The timestamp here is relevant. It is Wednesday, March 30th. The Oscars, the Academy Awards were this past Sunday. So we had Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday. We're now into Wednesday. And people are still talking about the Will Smith slap of Chris Rock. I didn't think I would have to talk more about this, but the the takes get hotter and more outlandish. Uh, Now you've got Roxanne Gay at the New York Times essentially saying that that no woman should have to be made fun of or some such. And, you know, she's got a condition uh, that causes her to be bald. He made a G.I. Jane 2 joke. But here's the thing. If you watch the video, if you watch the video, Chris or um, Will Smith laughed at the joke. Will Smith's first reaction to Chris Rock making a joke about his wife was to laugh at the joke. And then when the camera turned away from him, something clearly happened, and he felt the need to go up there and defend his woman. Here's the thing that no one, none of the academic or intellectual elite want to talk about. In fact, I, I've tried to find these in, in the, the, the people in, in the highfalutin magazines and newspapers who want to talk about this. I've, I've tried to find this in there, and, and none of them want to bring it up. None of them have talked about it. Will and Jada Pinkett Smith live in an open marriage where apparently she's getting more partners than he is and has flaunted them. And... I got to imagine that's deeply emasculating as much as he wants to pretend it's not and no big deal. Uh, he is married to a woman who openly talks about all of her sexual partners. Uh, and, and so he had a stand by your woman moment, wanted to defend his wife. I, I suspect that had more to do with him and her than it had to do with that joke. And what is staggering to me are to read all of the hot takes and think pieces and intellectual pieces and all of that from all the, the, the magazines and newspapers and celebrity columnists. And nobody wants to point out that fact that he laughed at the joke before he decided to, to slap Chris Rock and, and probably has way more to do with the state of his marriage. I mean, the moral of the story here is is you got a bunch of deviants in Hollywood having a, an alcohol and cocaine-fueled party to celebrate themselves and lecture the rest of us. And as long as you don't live your life like them, including having an open marriage, you and your children are probably not going to be nearly as screwed up as Will Smith, his wife, and their kids all of whom are screwed up people. And if you don't believe me, there's some crazy interviews that the two kids have given where they themselves are deeply out of touch with reality, just like their parents. 
Uh, Chris Rock is the guy who, who was the most normal and actually teaches us how to turn the other cheek and move on with our lives. Will Smith's apology was a good apology. We should be able to move on. I'm stunned that it is Wednesday. The Oscars were on Sunday, and you still got think pieces from a lot of people who were just trying to, to double down and stand by uh, Will and Jada Pinkett Smith. And, and what it is, in fact, is that they're big Hollywood royalty, and you got a bunch of people who want to brown nose them, not Chris Rock, who's just a comedian. Uh, but Chris Rock, he's a comedian. He makes jokes at the Oscars. They make jokes about the people in attendance. What do you expect? Now, I will move on because I got other stuff to talk about, including this Disney situation. Oh, my goodness. I, You know, so I, I got to admit, I, at first I was skeptical when I started hearing the buzz, but it was Chris Rufo. Chris Rufo has done a remarkable job battling against critical race theory and others. Now, I, in fairness, you know, I talked last week about Home Depot has their woke uh, diversity, equity, inclusion stuff, and, and Chris was one of the people who highlighted it. It turned out to be from Canada, not the United States. It was it was a Canadian thing. It's not done here in this country. I'm curious to see if they do anything, although I've had a number of people from Home Depot corporate reach out and say they've never experienced anything like it. Um, Rufo puts points on the board against critical race theory and the, the DEI stuff. So essentially, if you go back to the Common Core days, in Common Core math and reading, what happened was parents figured out this actually isn't working. My kids are dumber because of this. Common Core's whole goal and purpose was to deliver good little automatons to the Fortune 500. And we actually pulled our kids out of their school for a lot of reasons. Uh, but one of the, the side reasons was they got taught Common Core math at a Christian private school. And it's terrible. The parents don't like it. The teachers don't like it. The kids don't like it. And now our kids are in a traditional math environment. And my daughter's got straight A's in math. My son's working on his. I think his, his uh, grade right now is like an 89. And it's, it's normal math now. And we can help them with their homework. But when Common Core became a thing and people started realizing it was bad, what they did is they just changed the name. Like it was no longer Common Core. It was just competency core. Well, that's not common core. It's competency core. Same thing's happening with critical race theory now, critical theory. Uh, we're getting rid of critical theory and we're bringing in diversity, equity, and inclusion. And how are they bringing this in? Here is the Disney diversity and inclusion manager. Last summer, we, we removed all of the um, gendered greetings and relationship to our life skills so we no longer say ladies and gentlemen boys and girls um we we've trained we we've provided training for all of our our cast members and in, in relationship to that so now they know it's it's hello everyone or hello friends we we are in the process of changing over those those recorded messages and so many of you are probably familiar when we brought the fireworks back to the magic kingdom we no longer say ladies and gentlemen boys and girls we say dreamers of all ages and so i love the fact that it's opened up the creativity the opportunity for our cast members to look at that we we have our cast members working with merchandise working with food and beverage working with with all of our guest facing areas where perhaps you know we, we want to create that magical moment with our cast members with our guests and we don't want to just assume because someone might be um, in, in our interpretation, maybe presenting as female, that they may not want to be called princess. 
Okay, here's here's the crazy thing. They're catering to a subset of the population that is at most eight-tenths of a percent of the population. So they're no longer going to call anybody boys and girls because they're, they're single-mindedly focused on that. And then there's the Disney corporate president. The Disney corporate president. Now, th- this is one, if you're a progressive, you're okay with this. If you're conservative, you're not. And this is the grand dichotomy in the country. And it's one that benefits conservatives because black and Hispanic families tend to be more socially conservative. I'm, I'm here as a mother of, of two queer children, actually. Um, uh, one transgender child um, um, and one pansexual child. Um, and and also as a leader. Um, and that was the thing that really got me because I have heard so much from so many of my colleagues over the course of the last couple of weeks um, in open forums and through emails and phone conversations. And um, I feel a responsibility to speak um, not just for myself, but for them, um, to all of us. We, we had a we had an open forum last week at 20th where. Um, again, the home of, of really incredible groundbreaking LGBTQIA stories over the years where um, one of our execs stood up and said, you know, we only have a handful of queer leads in our content. And I went, what? I, that can't be true. And I, and I, and I realized, oh, it, it actually is true. We have many, many, many LGBTQIA characters in our stories. And and, and yet we don't have enough leads um, and narratives in which gay characters just just get to be characters um, and, and not have to be about gay stories. And so um, that's been very eye-opening for me. Okay, look, there are some things I want to say that I probably shouldn't hear. Some of you are wondering, what is a pansexual? Well, a bisexual is someone who is willing to have sexual relationships with a man or a woman. A pansexual, someone willing to have relationships with a man, a woman, a transgendered man, a transgendered woman, uh, or or any other like gender presentation. What I find so fascinating here, what I find hilarious here is when you when you put pansexual into Google, it lists pansexual characters. Here's the list of pansexual characters. Oberlin Mar- Oberlin Martell from Game of Thrones, Yara Greyjoy from Game of Thrones, and Lucifer, the devil himself. <laughs> wow. Wow. Um Okay. Let's just let's 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 start this from the top. Disney executives are in hot water because it came out a couple of weeks ago uh, that they were cutting scenes from Disney shows that were explicitly making certain characters sexualized. Um, and so, for example, uh, dis the the gay employees at Disney are upset that there has not really been an expressively open uh, homosexual couple with kids in any of the movies. Uh, In the Buzz Lightyear film, uh, they decided to have a same-sex kiss, and Disney executives said to get rid of it, and then there was an outrage, and they put it back in. 
They want to sexualize kids, I guess. Uh, the whole thing is bizarre. Uh, why can't you watch a movie about kids for kids without having to worry about uh, whether they're gay or straight? Particularly if they're kids, they shouldn't be sexualized to begin with. I, I just, I, more and more, I wonder about this stuff. And I don't mean this to be insulting, and I know there's it, it will only come across as insulting, and I don't mean it that way. But I do, I, I listen to these people, and overwhelmingly it's women. Overwhelmingly it's white women. Overwhelmingly it's highly educated, rich white women. And part of me has always wondered, and more so when I encounter this these days, and the way people talk about this is how much of this is uh, guilt, screwing up your kids, and now you can't accept that you screwed up your kids through your life choices, and so you want to normalize the screw-ups and make the rest of us feel bad if we don't accept it. I just, it, it's the, the wild embrace of rich white people, particularly rich white women, and it is actually uh, aggressively more pushed by rich white women than by rich white men, but also by rich white men. And... Most Americans, this is the furthest thing from their mind. And most Americans, overwhelmingly, I'm willing to say 95% of Americans, if not higher, are not going to get offended by the idea of calling kids boys and girls. They're not going to get offended by the idea of calling people ladies and gentlemen. But they are going to get offended by having express sexualization within a Disney cartoon made for kids. How do these people not understand this? What world do they live in where they think they're normal and the rest of us are, are somehow deviantly bigoted? This is why we're in a political realignment in this country right now. Because these people have gotten into a bubble where normal America doesn't penetrate the bubble. And there are a lot of people who are non-white, who are socially conservative, who see what's happening and are appalled by it. And the only people willing to stand up and call it out are people like Donald Trump, which is why he does well with black and Hispanic voters, because he calls this stuff out aggressively so. And it resonates with them. Uh, rich white people will be the death of the Democratic Party. Okay, I, I want to state something that should be obvious that may not be obvious for people. I like a high thread count sheet, but if the threads are crap, the sheet's going to be crap no matter how many uh, threads you need. It just, it, it's, it's amazing how people want to highlight that. And the reason I highlight this is because Bolin Branch makes high quality sheets and they're not a bajillion, majillion thread count either, but their threads are super high quality. They use 100% organic cotton threads. They give super softness. You get a better night's sleep. They're not just buttery, soft, and breathable, impossibly soft to start. They get softer with every wash. I can attest to this. Every time you wash them, they just seem to get a little softer, and they hold up so well over the long term. You know, I'm on, gosh, maybe my second set of Bolin Branch sheets in, in a decade. Or so. They just hold up so well. They're a quality product, and 
they give you such a good night's sleep. Oh my gosh, they're so fantastic. I really do love these sheets and I love Bowl and Branch. You can too. They are fantastic. They're so luxurious. Three U.S. presidents sleep under Bowl and Branch sheets. So you can get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code ERIC at bowlandbranch.com. That's B O L L A N D branch.com. The promo code is ERIC. Get a good night's sleep under Bowl and Branch sheets. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. We're working on uh, phone lines. Taylor Lawrence is a uh, drama queen uh, who moved from the New York Times to protect her brand uh, to the Washington Post. Uh, She really is just uh, a professional troll. Uh, who is spectacularly unaccomplished, but somehow gets to work at all sorts of cushy places. And she has this story, Facebook paid GOP firm to malign TikTok. The firm, Targeted Victory, pushed local operatives across the country to boost messages calling TikTok a threat to American children. Dream would be to get stories with headlines like, From Dances to Danger, one campaign director said. Uh, Interestingly enough, one of the things that apparently they did... Uh, is they sent to the Washington Post stories the Washington Post had written. I mean, these are stories from the Washington Post, not pushed by Target Victory, but sent back to the Washington Post. Students are destroying bathrooms, swiping school supplies, and latest TikTok challenge going awry. A TikTok trend appears inspired students to steal toilets. A student punched her disabled 64-year-old teacher. The attack might have been inspired by TikTok. How to talk to your kids about the devious licks school TikTok challenge. I mean, those are all reported in the Washington Post without the ideas of uh, Targeted Victory. Also, Targeted Victory has a lot of, uh, says there are a lot of things the Washington Post said that were false. Now, Taylor Lawrence is, is not really a good reporter. She is always the story and makes herself the subject of the story so that people are talking about the story, I suspect, makes her happy. But here's the bottom line. It is not disputed that TikTok is part of a Chinese surveillance system. TikTok is funded by the communist Chinese. It is undoubtedly so that TikTok is pouring all of that information into databases for the Chinese to be able to use. No one really disputes that. It's one reason the Trump administration was trying to force a sale. The sale never went through. ByteDance is still a Beijing-based company. And you should not be using TikTok, nor should your kids, because of it. Uh, And the fact is, that is an honest statement. It is an honest statement. And this reporter, Taylor Lawrence, and I use the word reporter loosely, would rather you be outraged by Facebook reminding people about the problems with TikTok than with TikTok, which is not a good site for anyone to use, given that the Chinese own it. Facebook, by the way, doesn't do business in communist China. And somehow they're the bad guy here for reminding you about a communist Chinese organization running a website that essentially serves as a surveillance system for the Chinese government. 
And by the way, Targeted Victory, um, it's not a necessarily a Republican firm, although Republican-oriented for sure, but takes a bipartisan approach with corporate clients, and uh, they're attacking Facebook and Targeted Victory at the Washington Post for having the audacity to remind the Washington Post of its own reporting about how bad TikTok is. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. So I was going to get to this in a small segment, but then decided to do the Facebook stuff. Hey, it's my show. I get to, I'm going to want to spend a little time on this one. Um, I it, So my for those of you who, who aren't regular listeners or, or you're new to the show, we, we picked up a number of markets. Uh, every year on Good Friday, I do a special show. I do a Christmas show because it's Christmas, but on Good Friday, I, I didn't intend to do do it. Uh, but then I never worked for a company before that made you work on Good Friday and, and got into radio, and the company is a company that you don't have off on Good Friday. And I was like, if you're going to make me work on Good Friday, I'm going to do a Good Friday show. They had no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> Afterwards, you're like, eh, probably not. Well, the, the, the listeners loved it. And ever since, I've done a show on Good Friday. And I always put in music uh, that is from uh, Christian groups. And I'm not a big CCM guy. I'm not a Christian contemporary music. There are some bands I really like, like Third Day. My gosh, I love those guys. Um, Need to Breathe, uh, phenomenal. Uh, but a, a lot of them, I'm just, uh, I'm not a, not a big fan. But I try to find some music that I deeply love and put it in. And I try very hard to make sure that I do not include the music of Bethel, Hillsong, or Elevation. And the reason is because I have deep theological disagreements with those entities. And so I, I try not to, though they have a big PR through their music for themselves, I try to have nothing to do with it because it, it kind of theologically concerns me. I want my Good Friday and Christmas shows to reflect who I am and what I believe. And as a result, I, I try not to have as much as I, I think some of the music, they've done a very good job, but I just, I don't want to promote Hillsong, Elevation, or Bethel, so I don't include their music. Well, there's a story in the New York Times about Hillsong. Uh, Hillsong is a mega church that started in Australia and has spread to the United States. The, the Carl Lentz uh, was brought into scandal, committed adultery. And I, I got to tell you, Philip and I were talking about this the other day. There, there's a uh, discovery documentary about the fall of Carl Lentz. This is a guy who's a megachurch pastor in New York. Hillsong sets up its, its megachurch in New York to cater to celebrities. They've got designated seating. They've got special access and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, I, I got to tell you, being a celebrity can be alluring. I am a, a, a nobody in the grand scheme of things, and I get that. But I was I was at a, a bar last night with a buddy of mine and got recognized and people were buying me drinks, which to me it's still very surreal because I mean I'm y'all I'm me come on seriously. But you get to mega celebrity status and I know some very very mega celebrities, and the amount of access that they can get 
and the number of people who want to suck up to them and give them stuff, is it's really, I mean, it can get to you. It can corrupt your soul. And Carl Lentz, the pastor, Hillsong, his soul, I think, got corrupted, and he committed adultery, cheated on his wife. And you know what Carl Lentz did? Apologized, owned up to it, committed to reconciling with his wife, and he left the ministry. It's exactly what you're supposed to do. Every single person screws up. And I don't think Carl Lentz should be condemned. If anything, um, I look at some pastors who have falls from grace, and all they can do is come back, and so they overwhelmingly change their theology away from orthodoxy into uh, all dogs go to heaven theology. And you can't judge me. Bible says don't judge, don't judge me. I'm going to keep preaching. Those are the people I got problems with. The ones who fall from grace and they can't do anything else with their life and so they just come back and, and twist their theology to try to justify coming back as opposed to Carl Lentz who's like, oh, look, I, I'm, I'm going to go work on my marriage. I fell from grace. I got to give up the pulpit. Maybe he'll come back. Maybe he will. And if you repent, if you're if you're genuinely repent, come on back and use your story and your struggles to talk about how power and fame can corrupt. Terry Christ is a fifth-generation pastor in Phoenix. He joined Hillsong in part because of what he described as its distinctly joyful approach to church life. Hillsong, according to the New York Times, was an institution where leaders seemed light and free, offering a church experience that attracted tens of thousands of people around the world. Starting in Phoenix, Mr. Christ eventually brought six churches in two states into the Hillsong fold. Last week, he took them all out. We cannot continue in our global family as much as we love it, Mr. Chris told his congregation in an emotional sermon on Sunday, citing, among other reasons, the recent resignation of Hillsong's global leader under a haze of scandal. I'm heartbroken. In the last two weeks, Hillsong has lost nine of its 16 American church campuses, a swift and stunning decline for one of the world's largest and most influential evangelical churches. Just a few years ago, Hillsong was the leading edge of cool Christianity, a quickly expanding network that appealed to young people and city dwellers with energetic, stylish preachers and an upbeat atmosphere. Hillsong translated the charismatic church experience which emphasizes miracles and personal encounters with the Holy Spirit for a hip upscale audience. Justin Bieber and NBA star Kevin Durant attended services. One of the church's worship bands won a Grammy Award. The church produced soaring anthems that became staples in smaller churches that imitated its sound style and Instagram-friendly aesthetic. Now Hillsong's U.S. presence has collapsed. Its remaining U.S. locations are in the Northeast and California. Brian Houston is the leader and the founder in Australia. An internal investigation found he behaved improperly toward two women. He stepped away in January. This comes after, of course, Carl Lentz had his situation as well. The last week, the lead pastor of Hillsong Atlanta, Sam Collier, emailed his church to inform them he was withdrawing his church from Hillsong. All the challenges and the speculation and the scandal and the articles and all of the above, it got to a point where the people in our church just did not want to deal with it anymore, said Collier. His hiring as Hillstong's first black lead pastor was announced about a week before the news of Carl Lentz's misconduct in 2020. 
Sunday service was the last for Hillsong Atlanta. Now, they'll do something else. Uh, so I'm not in the charismatic church movement. I, I'm, I grew up Southern Baptist. I uh, grew up in a church where you don't clap. My gosh, do not clap. Uh, and, and joined the PCA. We put the fun in fundamentalism. Um, but there's a larger issue here. Now, I got I to gotta start with some caveats here because people really get sensitive when they feel like you're attacking their church. There's no right way or, well, I, there are wrong ways to do church. There are wrong ways to set up church. There's no prohibition in the Bible against megachurches. But I have a personal philosophical objection to the megachurch. Now, I'm not mean, when I say megachurch, I'm not meaning the soul church. I'm talking about the church industrial complex, the megachurch industrial complex, where you've got five campuses for your church. I have a problem with that. I have a philosophical problem, and I have a theological problem, and I have a general problem, and they all kind of intersect. If we're to model ourselves after the early church, the old church, and the like, uh, Peter did not go around and broadcast himself into the church at Rome and the church at Ephesus and the church at Smyrna and, and the, the all the other churches. Neither did Paul. They had local churches led by local people who were local to their community. And the Bible says, seek the welfare of your community. When you're having the mega church and you're beaming in the pastor via satellite from somewhere else, one, it makes it very easy for the devil to just target one person and bring down the whole house cards. Two, you lose something. And, and what you're doing is you're building a business. I, I know a guy who was lamenting his church. His church was unwilling to take a strong socially a social stand on biblical sexual ethics, and in confronting the pastor of his ginormous church, the pastor started arguing about the business concerns of what if we did it. Uh, some of the large donors in the church would walk away. You're not a business, you're a church. And I, I think in the free market capitalist system of the United States and the Western world, a lot of churches really love this idea of, of we can be a business too. I mean, we're, we're selling Jesus. We're, we're making Jesus accessible. We got the book deals. We got the flashy uh, band. We got the songs. They win Grammys. We got the hip pastor. We got all this stuff. It, we, we, we bring people in and make them feel a part of something really big. And it's a giant gathering of people. One, I don't want to go to a giant gathering. I don't want to go to a giant church. I don't like crowds. I don't like people. Jesus is good enough for me. But the, the other thing is you, you, you've got this problem here, I think, because a lot of people go and they're going to have themselves fulfilled and to feel good. And the megachurch ultimately, I think, descends because you got to keep people coming to the door. You got to fill the building. You got to pay the power bill. You get to a shallow Christianity. 
And that's my real concern. I mean, I, I just, and, and this goes back all the way to, to 2016 and some of the Trump stuff. Uh, I've got a friend of mine. He's actually my favorite seminary professor. He called me really horrified. He was, he gave a sermon on Isaiah and the passage in Isaiah where he mentions Cyrus by name. Now, Isaiah wrote this hundred years or so before Cyrus was even around and called him by name. And you know what he, you know what phrase he used? Messiah called the Persian emperor the Messiah. And the sermon went viral and a bunch of people started using it as a justification to vote for Trump, that Trump was just like Cyrus. And they took modern political implications and placed it on top of a passage of scripture that really didn't apply. And my friend, my seminary professor was just absolutely horrified didn't know what to do. And we do this. All of us do this. We A lot of people want to go to church to be fulfilled. They want to go to church to feel good. They want to go to the charismatic church. They want to go to the church with a dynamic pastor where they're not really going for the word of God. They're going for a sense of community and a sense of belonging. And maybe they'll get that other stuff. And the problem with those is, is you have a bunch of shallow people who when the tests of time inevitably come, they're not going to have the faith to stay strong. Because the church nourished the emotional element of their body, but not actually their soul. And so I got to say, I think it's a good thing. I think the breakup of the Hillsong Church is a good thing. I do. And I know it'll be painful and, and a lot of people will struggle, but I'm, I'm glad to see Hillsong collapse. Not because I'm rooting against the faithful and not because I'm rooting against the flock, but because I think if they commit themselves to their local communities as a church within their local community, uh, committed to their local community and actually going in depth and, and not trying to inspire people to feel good, but to recognize they're sinners and they need to repent, they'll all be better off and they'll have something that endures beyond the next Grammy award season. And also, I do think, again, when you have these big mega churches like this, it makes it easy. You, you, you pick out one and the whole thing collapses. Look at Mark Driscoll in uh, Mars Hill. I forget the whole podcast stuff. I, I, I got tired of the podcast. It, it sounded like it was nursing an agenda against uh, orthodoxy to some degree. But Mars Hill and, and um, Mark Driscoll failed. I, I, was a, I, I liked Mark Driscoll. I liked a lot of the stuff he said. A lot of the stuff that was controversial, I agreed with. And now look at him. He's one of those guys who he had to go restart a new church and rejected all the stuff he claimed to believe in because he had to make a living somehow. He got back in the pulpit, started another big church. I'll never forget, though, that one clip in that podcast where Mark Dever, a man I deeply respect, uh, was at a, at a thing with, with uh, Driscoll and was saying that uh, Mark Dever, who's a noted theologian in the United States, if you don't know who he is, runs Capitol Hill Baptist in Washington, D.C., that they weren't doing this whole branch church thing where you have campuses around and you're beamed in by satellite because that's not what the, the church was supposed to do. And, and Driscoll says, I'll beat you. That's the problem. The mega churches make it a competition, and it shouldn't be. So I think the collapse of Hillsong will actually be a good thing for the church as a whole. All right, we got to move on. I got to talk to you about the Eden Pure Thunderstorm before I go to commercial break. Uh, the Eden Pure Thunderstorm is an air purifier that eliminates odors. 
It doesn't mask the odors. It eliminates the odors. It's not like the essential oils my wife buys that can make things smell good, cover up other odors. It just, it wipes out the odors. You know, I take one in my suitcase. I actually leave one in my suitcase. So it's always there for when I'm traveling. Because if you go to a hotel and it's got a musty smell or something, the Eden Pure can take care of that. You just, it's small, it's portable, it's not very heavy. It's fine in your suitcase and will wipe out the odors. So you, what you do is you go to EdenPureDeals.com. And you can get three of them now for less than $200. You even get free shipping. You go to EdenPureDeals.com and use the discount code ERIC3. Eric three E R I C K three. That's Eden Pure Deals. The discount code is Eric three. Get Eden three Eden Pure Thunderstorms. Wipe out, wipe out the odors in your house, and get rid of the mildew, the mold, the bacteria, the pollen, all that stuff. And it's filterless. You don't have to get a filter subscription. You just wipe it out on occasion. EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code is Eric three. Have y'all heard this audio from Ron DeSantis? Welcome back. It's Eric Erickson here. DeSantis. Uh, was asked about Disney's opposition to the uh, Parental Rights and Education Act that he signed into law. Here's the governor. This state is governed by the interests of the people of the state of Florida. It is not based on the demands of California corporate executives. They do not run this state. They do not control this state. I also thought it was interesting. I talked to the Speaker of the House yesterday afternoon And he said Disney never called him while they were putting this through the house. They didn't seem to have a problem with it when it was going through. If this was such an affront, why weren't they speaking up at the outset? And yet they won't. And then for them to say they're going to actively work to repeal substantive protections for parents as a company that is supposedly marketing its services to parents with young children, uh, I think they crossed the line. And, you know, people ask me, you know, kind of about, you know, their posture on the bill. I said, you know what? If we would have put in the bill that you were not allowed to have curriculum that discussed the oppression of the Uyghurs in China, Disney would have endorsed that in a second. Oh, he went there and he's not wrong. Y'all, he's really not wrong. The fact that Disney will lecture Florida on what should be taught to kindergartners about sex and keeps its mouth shut about the Uyghurs being persecuted in China is everything you need to know about the moral values of Disney. It's, man, I I wonder, you know, because I I was having this conversation with a friend of mine this morning. Actually, a couple of friends of mine who may be listening right now. One of them's like, well, you're going to cancel Disney Plus? You're going to stop going to the parks? We don't, my family, we really don't go to the parks. We've been a couple of times, but... Uh, it's it's not something we like to do just because we're not big crowd people. But yeah, I mean, they own Star Wars and I love Star Wars. They own the Marvel films and, and I like a lot of those. Uh, like a lot of the Pixar stuff, although they seem to be going woke. So we watch them less and less, but it's a hard one. I want to see the Obi-Wan series. I want to see the Moon Knight series. And I don't know. I, at some point, I think people will get more and more fed up and start canceling stuff. It's 2022. Things are still crazy. Things haven't settled down. And now you got the Federal Reserve and interest rates. You got the economy. You got inflation. A lot of banks won't even return your phone call. Let's say you're a small business and you need a loan for $750,000 or higher. You see an opportunity where banks, they don't even want to see you. You want to buy a building. You want to build a building. Reach out to the Frost family at First Liberty Building and Loan. They've been helping small businesses become big businesses since the 1990s. They want to help you if they can 
So spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a good fit for them and they're a good fit for you. Their website is firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. Again, you need a loan, $750,000 or higher. You're a small business and you see an opportunity to grow. Share it with the Frost family and see if they can help you. Firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. First Liberty Building and Loan can help businesses nationwide become bigger businesses.